Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, the Golden State, and now I'm living here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. I'm Alex Sure. I'm also speaking to you from the beautiful Beijing today, but I'm proudly representing the Northeast part of China where I am from. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, I thought we would talk about digital literacy. Which is something we hope we have for every job. new segment the interchange yes uh, we'd like to share your experiences on the bridge this is from neo lee neo lee he says hey the bridge team this is your loyal audience neo lee from guangdong province i love the bridge and i love you guys too jason bebe and alex i'm not gonna say how much i do love your show only that i listen to each episode even back oh, to wow. last year so we would love to share your emails and your voice on the bridge so Today's question for our listeners is, is cross-cultural communication at your work or in your life? And how is it important? Please do let us know what you feel about this specific topic. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. That's W-E-L-O-V-E-T-H-E-B-R-I-D-G-E at gmail.com. Welovethebridge at gmail.com. Or you can simply write your response. We also would love to play your audio file. And we do love the bridge. According to a new article in the BBC entitled, Why Digital Literacy is Now a Workplace Non-Negotiable, end quote, published mm. on September 27th, where digital literacy is no longer, doesn't mean sitting an email using Word, Excel, all that stuff, PowerPoint, maybe, you know, that used to be fancy. There is a greater expectation, quote, for employees to nimbly <laughs> adopt whatever technology comes there with mm. their job, as well as adapt to ever-changing tools and approaches. Workers are also expected to use technology strategically, from offline working, their personal mobile devices, to leveraging collaborative workflow programs. I don't actually don't know what that means. I think that means using Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes the way people word these things is like, am I just doing a sales job, or am I actually running a tech startup? You know, I wonder, like, these people who write these journals, if they read their own writing, or if they're just like, that was excellent, that was so amazing. Because no one talks like that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's one thing that was kind of a training that we did when um, I was in grad school and we had to cover the Massachusetts State House for local newspapers. Mm. And the one thing that they told us the whole time was you cannot write like the in-house mm. news team that work for the State House. You have to really kind of mm. decode that whole legal language and that pol political language for our local readers. Mm. And I feel like people who write things like this, they should probably do the same. Just leveraging collaboration workflow programs do you mean i have to be able to put people on zoom calls <laughs> we're a little <laughs> tiny bit off but you know i've always thought that those double entendres inside of like news articles were tack tacky and stupid yeah like so okay you're doing an article i don't know it's about food so then you use like metaphors that have to do with food when you're not talking directly about the food because you think that's clever yeah but me as a reader always just thought that's not 
clever. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like showiness of pedantry. Like, I don't know. I don't even, yeah, I, like, I don't understand. Okay, I get it. You know those words. <laughs> yeah. You, you've heard a few phrases in your time. Great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, moving on. Um, I wanted to ask you before I tell all of our readers exactly how old I am and date myself <laughs> tons of stories about when the first PCs came out. Hmm. I want to ask you a little bit. When you started using uh, technology, you know, when did you start using a laptop? When did you, you know, when you were entering into the workforce, what grade were computers and what, what was expected <laughs> of you, you know, at 22, I guess, or something going into the workforce or entering into a master's degree? What kind of devices did you have and what were you expected to be able to use them for? Wow. So here's my tale of the story of Alex and the laptop. <laughs> so I remember the first time I touched a computer, well, a desktop before a mm. laptop, of course, it was in third grade. Mm. And it was back then, it was back then, I can't even remember, remember the number exactly, but you know those computers that were named after numbers? No. <laughs> it's either like like 268 or 286. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, but my computers that were named after numbers, I were actually before you were born, probably. <laughs> I, I, in the early 1980s, I got a computer called the Commodore 64. Oh, wow. Which didn't even have a screen. So go on. What? We'll talk about my stories after after your stories. Okay. Yes. I would love to hear about a computer without a screen and make sure that all listeners know the age gap between us. But yeah. So my first computer luckily had a screen, but it was, it wasn't my computer. It was the, it was the computer of the school and we're just all learning. Right, yeah. We're learning how to type. It wasn't like typing into Word because I don't think Word was widely used at that point or at least not something that was required mm. to teach in a primary school. So we were just learning how to type. And then we used this thing called logo mm. to draw. Like you put in very simple command mm -hmm. and then there's a little turtle on yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. I used it too. I, I'm pretty sure it, like 95% of people who are listening to this episode are not <laughs> going to know what we're talking about. So I'm glad you know. So it doesn't sound like I'm just making stuff up. Was yours a green and, screen? No, it wasn't. No, just, just, because I was using the same program with a green screen. Go on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was, again, I was a little bit after that. Yeah. 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 But I'm just <laughs> so surprised, I'm surprised that you had a color version of the same. I thought that that was just some 80s thing. Go on, go on. Uh, yeah, it wasn't green. It was the black backdrop. And then a little turtle was drawing white lines going around. And I thought it was so cool back then. <laughs> and then it's like a blurred memory from fourth grade to sixth grade and until it got into junior high school, which is like kind of like seventh grade to ninth grade in the in the States. Mm. All of a sudden... Um, OICQ became a thing. People were talking about their QQ numbers, their QQ space. And that's, you know, that's early days, Tencent. But back then we still didn't have, like we could try to use that in computer classes in school, but not everybody had a laptop or a, a desktop at home. Like my family never owned a desktop, mm. but my mom had a, to I remember this so clearly. She had a Toshiba laptop mm. that's really thick. It's like three inches thick, you know? Mm. And I would have to try to, because, you know, once you get on the OICQ, which is like early days QQ, early days chatting mm -hmm. software on your laptop. Once you get there, you're like, oh, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to have conversations with my real life friends. And then like my virtual friends that I, I mm. don't know their real name of. Um, and then I would. Dragon 64. <laughs> it's more like Sadness 002. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Little girl stuff, I guess. So, wow. so uh, yeah, side note, Gen Z, you don't own emo. We got emo way before you were even a thought. You know? um, 
just claiming that. Um, so I would, I would try to just not steal, but I would try to just sneakishly use my mom's laptop when they're not home. But back mm. then there was no, um, in my hometown, there was no Wi-Fi. There was no like, you know, um, not even ethernet. You would literally have to connect the laptop to your, your landline and then do the ADSL, <laughs> the ADSL dialing process. And that apparently costs a lot of money. And that's how I was, mm. uh, how I got, uh, oh my God, my mind is drawing a blank. Mm. That's how my parents, that's how my parents found out that I was like using the laptop behind the back. Oh no, the, she's using, learning about technology. Yeah, because the phone bill, the phone bill just oh. increased so much in like the last past two months. And my mom was like, wait, something is wrong. Did you use my laptop? I was like, yes, I did. But then from there, just calling people um, I think check, high school. Czechoslovakia. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was back then it might've been Czechoslovakia. But, <laughs> probably. Um, and then high school, uh, once we entered like you know the 21st century it just got a little bit more mm. you know after 20 2003 mm. 2000 after 2005 after i got into high school it became more available for each household to have either a desktop or a laptop and i had my own laptop and that on that laptop is where i watched all of the english tv shows like desperate housewives mm. gossip girls you know really? all, oh. yeah all of those shows and and till today when people are like oh how did you learn english i was like or they're like where did you get your accent from did you live on the, the west coast i'm like no i watched gossip girls well gossip girls east coast no oh no i watched desperate housewives <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and then for me after school mm-hmm. after my whole education was done cuz my my major my focus was more media focused. So to work in my industry, you really need to have a much higher, like what we were talking about today, digital literacy, because we have to edit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, We have to be able to manipulate image and sound. Um, And then even just for writing, when I was working for newspapers, like you just need to be very, um, very focused and you need to be very detail oriented, of course. And then basically there was no time for you to have questions about the software you're using and trying to troubleshoot that because everything is on a strict, mm. very strict deadline and you have to just turn it in. So I I would like to say I always have a little bit more digital literacy than, you know, the average uh, worker in a professional arena. But I would always love to have more. I had my attempts with coding Mm. quite a few times um they all ended with failure so Mm -hmm. being a very sensible person i just eventually gave up on that (laughs) you're listening to the bridge My story is a bit different. I mean, I think that's really interesting. I want to come back around after I bore people with my story of being at the beginning of time. Something, something 64. <laughs> well, let's get to, we'll, we'll get to that. But I wonder, I think what we should come back around later is how, mm. if you could define the experience of learning technology in China, it might be different. And I have some ideas about some questions I want to ask you mm. than like the experience of Americans. So when I was uh, born, computers were not something that existed in people's homes. They weren't even <laughs> marketed to people's homes. That was unthinkable. And that's something that, you know, people watch these old movies yeah. about, you know, Bill Gates and uh, the other gentleman from Apple. Wow. That- <laughs> you didn't even deserve a name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah. They, people watch movies about them and like, oh, my gosh, what was it like before time started? <laughs> 
And so, you know, <laughs> I was there. You know the movie? Do you know the movie? I haven't read the books. Uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? No. They're, oh, it's, it's a, like a kid's story. So you, I don't oh, expect okay. that you've seen it. But um, it's a, and it's relatively recent and maybe 10 or 15 years ago. But that's a line from the lion who who yells, don't, you know. I was there when the rules were written. And that's how I think about like uh, my time with a computer. Mm. Because like I'm not trying to brag that I understand computers because things that are happening now I can't <laughs> keep up with. But at the I was there at the beginning of time. And when people were deciding that capital letters meant yelling, mm. that was something that I was there during that conversation in society for. Like they were deciding that that was the rule. Wow. So, like, before there were home computers, like the, even the green screen, like Macintosh. Wow. It's you can have a compu- whole computer in your house. They were computers. Yeah. So the Commodore 64, it was made by a German company. Mm. And it's it's a it was their answer to the computer. It was basically a typewriter that was had become digitized. Mm. And so it was a digital typewriter. And you did it didn't come with the screen. So my mom and dad said, we're <laughs> buying a computer. And I was like, wow, that's great. And then they opened oh. this thing. And it just looked like a typewriter. A typewriter. Oh. And I was like, where's the computer? <laughs> like, And they were like, this is it. And, and then like, they took a bunch of wires and they plugged it into the TV. <laughs> and, the tele- oh, wow. and the television was just a white screen with a, like a blinking dot on it. And that was it. And they were like, go, go ahead and show us how the computer works, Jason. I'm like, I don't know, six years old. I'm like, I don't know what to do either. And so they gave me this manual that was like, uh-huh. I don't know. 10 inches thick and like they're like go for it and i spent weeks trying to use this thing and the most i could get it to do was make like red lines and green squares and mm. it was not a nimble for someone who wasn't a computer programmer it was essentially meant for someone <laughs> to write code with so if you didn't if you weren't a coder mm. you weren't a trained coder it was mostly useless you could buy games for it but you know it like the games we have now <laughs> mm. so uh eventually we did get like a green screen apple computer i'm not actually sure which iteration so uh, that was we had that for a while and like then the other computers started coming out where they have like white you know screens and like mm. you could use a mouse and there was like the, the first real mouse computers where you had like the the kind of backgrounds that we have now and my grandmother was like we're buying real computers for all the grandchildren mm. for, for each family so she has three children and each one of them had their own kids so each family got a, a computer presumably it was for my dad and mom yeah. But you know how that goes. So um, your experience is a bit different from mine. My mom, my dad was like, I'm not touching that thing until I, I, I can say, computer, do this and it will just do it for me. And my mom sat down patiently for a few days with her glasses on trying to type on this thing. And then eventually she. she wow. Kudos yeah, to your mom. She, gave up. she was like, no, <laughs> this is too complicated. Oh, and I then, said it too soon. And then my older brothers were too busy, you know, being wild to use it. And so it fell to me and my little brother. Mm. And so my little brother and I would sit on this computer for hours and pretty soon we could do things, amazing things like open email and stuff. Because kids are so wonderful. Yeah, kids are more versatile at learning new things. I think that it's the shiny thing in the house, right? You know? Yes. Yes. It's like, wow. Look I have at to get a hold thing. of it. <laughs> yes. Now that mom and dad are, have given up, it's my turn. <laughs> so, yeah. So I learned how to use a computer from young age and, you know, being able to use computers, my mom even even came to me and she's like, can you make an advertisement for our friends like company? And I was like, yeah. And then I made the (laughs) worst advertisement for a company 
you've ever seen in your life. It was the, it was hideous. Mm. I used paint <laughs> at a time when paint didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> like I made it was it was awful. So, you know, by the 90s, I was a very versatile computer person. I could do everything that people could do. And I had all one of the early ones. Yeah, But now I can use almost nothing the kids can use. <laughs> And so so I'm actually retooling myself now. But I wanted to ask you, because Mm. my feeling, maybe I'm wrong and you can correct me, is that in America, we were, you know, we had money Mm. before China. China China has now kind of is starting to pass the United States. But at that time, America was more wealthy, especially for for households. So we had computers, desktops, laptops at a time, maybe when a lot of Chinese folks didn't. Yeah. And so my understanding, and maybe tell me if I'm wrong, mm. is that a lot of people in China jumped over laptops and straight into cell phones, smartphones. I was just thinking about that. Is, is that true? It's absolutely true. I think I've uh, mentioned this. My mom's family live in the, the countryside. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they work, they're farmers, they work um, in the rural area, they live and work there. In my memory, entire time when I was growing up till today, they have never mm. owned a laptop. The entire village barely Barely. I don't think the village even had one ever. There are laptops, you know, in the like in town, which is about 10 minutes drive away. If they really needed something to be either printed out or I think the the thing the thing that they use the most mm. uh, with the laptop is to back then they were trying to burn CDs with the songs that they like. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> this, Making your own CDs. This episode is going to be super <laughs> nostalgic. So, <laughs> they were they would bring uh, they would just go to the little town and then they would try to burn CDs so that they could listen to the songs that they like when they're working. I think you might even have to define that for Generation Z. Really? Because really? when you say burn CDs, oh my people God. might be th- thinking you're burning, like literally burning <laughs> CDs. Um, that's no fun. <laughs> I Okay, so burning a CD, meaning not lighting a CD disc on fire. It's uh, it's it's what we're before. This is before the days of before times. MP3 players. <laughs> Should we explain what MP3 players are? Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. So Okay, I'm going to try to do it more succinctly. You used to take a CD yeah. and put it into your computer, inside of it, or into an external drive, actually. And then you would choose the songs and stuff you wanted on that CD. And then it would make a copy of it. It would put it onto the CD. Yeah. Now, usually, CDs were unrewritable yeah. at that time. So it was interesting. You could make the CD, but then it w- you could never add anything to it or subtract anything yes. to it. It was just stuck that way now. <laughs> so it would have Alex's favorite. 1980s classic songs and that would yeah. be that you would put a sticker on it and it would ha- be labeled or you would use a marker to write what was on it. When you, when you were saying that, I was really trying to think, Jason, like I, I'm pretty sure a lot of young kids today have never seen a uh, a <laughs> disc drive, like an internal disc drive or even an external one. Basically, you there used to be a longer slot on your laptop where you can insert the disc into your laptop mm. to either have it read or have it written over. Yeah. Um, and then like I I did that once for using my mom's laptop a couple times because I was trying mm. to be like, oh, I can do this by myself. Um, but actually, apparently not every laptop is built for burning CDs. And if it's not built for burning CDs and you try to burn it, mm. it actually overworks the laptop. And and But luckily, my parents' digital literacy was not that high. So they didn't know what was wrong with the laptop, but it was me. It was all me. Um, but yeah, they would. my family would only use it for burning CDs. Um or when they have to, when there's something that absolutely needs to be done on a laptop. And then not every laptop is built for burning CDs. And so I was using my mom's laptop to just make mm. songs or put songs on them. And then I think, I think I overworked computer a lot. Mm. 
And my parents, my parents knew something was wrong with the computer, but their digital literacy was not that high at the time to know that it was caused mm. by their own daughter. But coming, going back to my, my uncle, like my mom's family, they never really needed the computer beyond those very kind of unimportant reasons. And that was never an essential part of their life. And then I think around 2012 or 2013, that's when they started using smartphones. And I think 2012 was when it was iPhone 4, Mm -hmm, iPhone mm -hmm. 3, iPhone 4, maybe. But they were not really using iPhones. They were back then, they were already a lot of Chinese smartphone brands that make more affordable cell phones. Right now, there is a... um overwhelming need for computer programmers who Mm. can do vertical video software. (laughs) And I think it's not just smartphones globally, Mm. but it's also the fact that in the first countries that had computers, wealthy wealthy countries Mm. like Western European countries, the United States, Canada, et cetera, Japan maybe, these countries had horizontal interfaces based on like Mm. the television or the, Mm. the laptop, the desktop. But people are actually moving away from these tools and towards the smartphone as their primary vehicle because a lot of people like in China and India, Southeast Asia, other countries, you know, we're talking about billions of people who are coming in and for the last 10 or 15, 20 years and even now coming into digital literacy, they're using smartphones and that is their primary vehicle for interacting with the World Wide Web. So, which is a strange term I don't use. I'm not sure if that's even called that. It's always a mouthful to say that. Uh, I think there's (laughs) Web3 and web two and there's so i don't even know what that stuff is because that's a whole other problem we're going to get into but what's really interesting is that now we have to switch computer programmers are having to switch from horizontal display to vertical display so what i've heard is computer programmers who are very versatile they have all of the skills all the tools for vertical videos uh software programming they can get half a million a year they can write their ticket they can say this is how much i want and i want someone to bring me you know a bowl full of only orange m&ms every day yeah i mean i was going to ask like when you said half a million is it u.s dollars or or rmb u.s dollars and then i was like yeah even if it's u.s dollars i could totally see that because i know that that, that's what how much money people make again and it sounds like oh how could it make so much money but it is a very extremely Mm. extremely creative yet extremely boring (laughs) job and and there's really no room for mistake is there <laughs> any mistake could cause you so much more money but i cuz the mm. place i work we have a lot of uh, you know programmers and designers talking about designing programs mm, for right, for vertical yeah. uh, for vertical screens i love walking by the designers because their desk setup is just like okay there are two screens that are horizontal and then there's a laptop and then there is a vertical screen it's just like regular monitors but it's you know it's uh, it's vertical it's it's uh, shiftable, so you can just shift it 90 degrees, uh, 90 degrees, and it becomes vertical so that they could check their designs on a much bigger screen yeah. that like um that imitate the phone screen. And then and then there's their own laptop, right? And next to their own laptop, yeah. there's like an extra phone. That's not the phone that they use for calling and sending messages. That's the phone to look at their actual design. Wow. So it's like I was like, this is a at some point I was like, is this place giving people health problems? Because there's so <laughs> many the, the density of screens of screens is so high mm. at my workplace. And I was like, I'm gonna try to walk outside because I don't know. It is also a profession that also gives you a lot of 
health mm. problems, not necessarily necessarily diseases. You know, but, interesting, you know. and not just uh, visual issues, but sitting for great periods of time. Because some of these programmers, they sit. They, it's not you know, it's, you're supposed to oh every thirty minutes or forty five minutes stand up and stretch. These yeah, people are so said buried than done. in their work that they they're not yeah. standing up and stretching, taking a walk in the park every like hour. It's not possible. So yeah, and um, they're back. Yeah, and since we're yeah, since we're on this topic a little bit, I just wanted to sure. add a little bit a story that you know my boyfriend has told me <laughs> my boyfriend has told me because he used to work for pixar where they they're like the story artist or anyone who works in pixar is kind of like the programmers for any internet or tech companies mm-hmm. I mean, they're really important for the cause of course really important for the money that the company's going to make so the company's mm-hmm. willing to make investment on their employees as well so that they could stay healthy they could work mm-hmm. longer <laughs> for their profit but what they used to do at Pixar apparently was that they have professional people coming into work to observe every single artist working at Pixar. That doesn't sound stressful to, at all. <laughs> I know, but no, the purpose of the observation is to see, is to document and analyze your posture and the way you like to work and how much that is going to hurt your spine, how much that is going to hurt your neck, you know, and your 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 wrist and your elbow, apparently. Mm, um, oh, you, I thought you meant to, to check on their work. Not to, to monitor. monitor their physical <laughs> health habits. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so that after that, they will generate a report and then they will basically equip that certain employee with the things that this person needs. It's not like, oh, we're going to change the working environment for everybody. So we're going to get this new um, batch of chairs. Everyone has to use this. Yeah, it's like tailored Mm. plans to help you um, have a healthier working habits. And so like maybe maybe Jason needs a needs an adjustable uh, working station. But Alex needs more of a back support. And then they will also be like, you need to do this and this. Like after working, we know that you're not going to be able to move for four or five hours (laughs) because you're doing artistic creation. You can't just go in and out of it. We get it. But afterwards, you have to go do this, this, this exercise. So I was like, oh, my God, I wish they could do that. For us at work, and I was mm. discussing with my coworkers, and they said, "Oh, Alex, the only thing that you could do for your health, for working a desk job that requires you to sit many, many hours, is to just drink so much, like as much water as you can." I was like, "Oh, oh is gosh. it because, yeah, is it because the water makes your, you know, bones or muscles healthier?" And and she said, "No, just because if you drink a lot of water, then you have to use the bathroom oh, that's more often." Not a bad idea. I know, and she's like, "That's going to force you to leave your wow. desk." That's that's very clever because you, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> my phone, my white, my sorry, my watch says stand up and stretch. There's a little green guy that's like starts stretching. Oh, I always ignore and it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I ignore it. But if I have to pee, <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Actually, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Welcome to my stories of Chinese characters, season two. I'm Uncle Hans. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chanzhou's Guzhu. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement in the snowfields. Yes! 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 
I'm Uncle Hans. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. Listening to the bridge. I think I want to switch up a little bit here mm-hmm. because uh, I want to talk really about the changes in literacy in like what was expected in the past and mm-hmm. what is expected now. So mm-hmm. really quickly, I just want to talk about actual literacy mm. very very briefly i have this from statista.com our the favorite progress, website <laughs> it's, i i go on there often I, I think they should probably chart be charging me money i'm sorry guys or sponsor our show <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll be happy to work something out with you this is called the progress of global literacy and you can see from 1820 to 2021 mm. about 200 years or so and it, it shows various countries around the world including the world and you can see 40 percent of the people in the world mm. On the, the blue line could read in 1820. So in 1820, mm. depending on whatever language they were using, 40% of people in the world were able to pick up a book and start reading. Mm. And now it's close to 100%. So that was by around the year 2010 or so that you have about 100, close to 100% literacy. I'm not saying that they're not illiterate people, but the vast majority of the world mm. can read now. But now we've moved on and, so, and things are moving much faster. And now we have this term that Alex has been using throughout the <laughs> show digital <laughs> literacy so i want to talk really quickly what digital literacy meant in the 1980s yeah. and 90s and then we can talk about what it means kind of now so in the 1980s digital literacy meant can you find the on button on the computer <laughs> could you put a floppy disk drive in and lock there's oh a locking mechanism and then could you click to open that and then yep. begin to interface with that. That's pretty much it. Not even email. Email, You, if you could use email, you were like some kind of god or something. <laughs> that was like next level stuff. Yeah. yeah. By the 1990s, you should be able to use an email and you should be on one social media platform, probably MySpace. <laughs> oh my God, MySpace. <laughs> yes, yes, it did exist. It's true. The, the rumors are true. I forgot about them. I forgot about them completely. You should be able to put a disc in to the computer mm-hmm. and you probably don't need to write be able to write a disc and you should be able to use a pointer and click on things <laughs> and be able to ch- change your password and know not to let other people know your password yeah. and probably be able to click print and effectively have something print mm. which would sound like this <laughs> and it would have the little the little bubble sides that you have to rip off the edge of the paper after it came out of the printer and if you could do all of those things and type uh, you know basic typing you know with yeah. two or three fingers you were good to go but now <laughs> that was i'm sorry that was so that noise was it was spot on for people who have never Thank heard you. it Thank you didn't miss out on anything what jason did was exactly how that machine sounded that, and that was it but probably oh by the God. year 2002 you needed to be able to go onto wi-fi and hide your computer face from other people from seeing it change your password you know so things have been updating <laughs> but now it's not even close it doesn't even yep. resemble those skills you have have to have like 10,000 different skills 
in order to be able to be considered digitally. If you so mm. if you went so my point is if you went to a job in 1995 <laughs> that wasn't a fast food or a service job, you would need to be able to say, yes, I have an email address. Here it is. And that would and they would say, can you use a computer? And you would say yes. And they would say, wow, that's great. OK, yeah. So I actually can I tell a, a story? This is not my story. This is from a movie. Oh, which one? Let's it's see. called Big with Tom Hanks. In the movie, it's about uh-huh. a little boy who's about 12, 13. I don't know. And then he uses a magic machine, mm. like it's a wishing machine to become an adult. And he wakes up the next day and he's like, I don't know, 35 years old or something. Mm. And he goes to work, try to get a job in the late 1980s. And they say, oh, it says here you can use computers. And they just hire him on the spot based on that mm-hmm. one thing. That was it. That was, literacy was saying you could use a computer. Yeah. Now it's like you need to be able to use computers and digital software across a suite of mediums. You should be on, yeah. on Instagram and have an account that's professional where you don't shout people down and use profanity. And, you know, you need to have like self-control. You need to be on Twitter. You need to be on Facebook. You need to be on. Sorry, this is where you're going to have to help me out, Alex. Yes. What other thing vehicles are people expected to be able to use now in order to just get a basic entry level job at most professional kinds of employment vehicles? I mean, the the most common one still nowadays, it says Microsoft Office software. Yes, every every single job posting. I'm, then I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> like I can use I can use Excel. But you know the thing is, I was I once interviewed for a job which is a, a job about uh, diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I was working on and passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true that job was under the Human Resources Department for this very famous one of the biggest car uh, companies. I'm not going to say who. And then during an interview, the interviewer asked me because I am not. An actual HR, so I don't have, I don't really have to deal with a lot of HR mm. data. But he said, mm. "Oh, how's your Excel skills?" And I actually learned some of the more advanced Excel skills in my Ooh. investigative journalism class. But that was like almost ten years ago. And then I was trying to explain, you know, those are the skills that I used to have, but I haven't used it for a long time. But I am a very quick learner, and it would be a matter of a couple of days for me to kind of pick them up or master new ways of looking at data and stuff. But I really haven't touched it for a long time. And then when I was trying to explain that, he interrupted and said, what's VLOOKUP? I was like, what? He said, what's VLOOKUP? I was like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I just said, I don't know. Um, and then my friend told me is it, it, later on that it is a, a very common function that you would use um, in Excel. Mm. But apparently for that very job, even though in the job posting, it says, you know, just uh, you could use uh, Microsoft uh, Office software. Mm-hmm. Different employers probably have a very specific requirement that they need their employees to have for this specific job. I need to not just be able to use Excel to organize data or extract data. I, I need to be a lot more advanced. Mm. So when I say that Microsoft Office is something that everybody needs to know to get a job, mm-hmm. just it's just it's it's not just the basic use use usage of these mm-hmm, softwares. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you can do using Microsoft tools in concert with each other that people don't realize are possible. Like if you take certain images off of the internet mm-hmm. and try to combine them in only like paint or in only like these very simple tools, they won't work properly. Mm-hmm. 
But there are ways to interact with them if you know each one of their so you, that you can actually emulate the tools that are much more advanced from other programs. Mm. So because I've been using them forever yeah. because they've existed forever. So <laughs> these basic tools, PowerPoint, you know, Excel, I know all kinds of uh, tricks that Ooh. most people don't know. But I think I have an article here. I want to go over some of the things here mm-hmm. that are considered like essential digital skills. It's, this is the ultimate guide to a Essential digital skills. On Let's see how essential they are. Digital.wings.uk.barclays. <laughs> so I guess that's a university. Mm, so I probably these are the very, very, very basic like grandma functions. You know, your <laughs> my grandma should be able to yeah. turn on the device and use available controls. Wow. Yeah. So you can push buttons. Uh, <laughs> interact with my home screen and uh, understand that the internet allows me to access information. Connect my device to a safe and secure Wi-Fi network. Mm. Connect to the internet and find the browser. <laughs> Understand passwords. So this sounds like 1990s stuff, you know? Yeah. And then as you move up, it says, understand the important... This is the next level of skills. Yeah. Understand the importance of communicating securely. Mm. Set up up an email account. Okay. Communicate with others digitally using email. Word processing applications. Share documents by attaching them. Communicate with friends and family using video tools. Video tools. Post Mm. messages, photographs, videos, or blogs on social media platforms. So, you know, now you're getting into your JSON page. (laughs) of skills (laughs) and then okay next next level i understand and conform with my organization's it and social media practices Mm. so for me when i was in my previous company we would have to do a yearly thing yeah and one of those was making sure that your screen was not exposed to other people oh my god we get we get bucked by this a lot at work as well they're super super strict about it it's not usually at work they're talking about like in a a, like a cafe so if you're in a cafe you're for example you should sit with your back to the wall so that if you're doing things or are you people won't be able to pass, see that people can't see what you're doing or how you enter mm. your password that kind of stuff so there are more things here yeah use professional online networks and communities digitally collaborate mm. can i just briefly go over some we are trying to create an interview with an american person from china right now mm. and so we have been testing tools yeah so lately i found out skype still exists i know, I know they still they are still <laughs> around to a lot of people's surprise yeah you have blue jeans skype you can use youtube actually as a media platform now so you can actually face to face with youtube really so i yeah i, I just learned about that one this morning wow have, i don't even know that wow yeah yeah it, it's really clear it's amazing like the video quality of it is like it's it's, it's really high you have wechat and there are tools inside of like pretty much every media platform you know every social media platform before had like email at they were starting to add email to it yeah now since the pandemic every media platform video is call. adding video call wow so pretty much you're going to be able to go on any like website and they'll have their own video call my personal blog should just add its own video call tool yeah they all have video call now so there's like hundreds of video call tools now mm. not just zoom zoom is just like you know the new skype sorry <laughs> <laughs> does anyone use skype because like it exists, there must be people. Apparently, people do. Because I remember we were either gonna answer some uh, conference requests, or mm. yeah, I think it had to be somewhat of a semi-professional situation where I had to go dig up Skype from my computer and mm. find my use uh, my old logins. Otherwise, I wouldn't go through that trouble because I haven't used it for so long. Apparently, they mm. those people that we're talking to, they still mm. use Skype. Oh yeah. 2,500 years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. 
Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. 不是 OK. This is a question for our fans for this episode. What video medium for communication do you use? Do you use Skype? Do you use Zoom? Do you use BlueJeans? Do you use WeChat? Do you use、uh, <laughs> what's the one on TikTok? There's TikTok has their own one too. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Which one do you use? Let us know, and we will tabulate all of your results and talk about them <laughs> in a future episode. Yeah. Okay, so there are、uh, other things here, including use the internet to legally access content for entertainment, yeah, films, music, games, books. Understand that the cloud is a way I can store information. You know, I always, <laughs> always disable cloud on every device I have because I have my own way of saving things. I don't need to save my stuff on someone else's hard drive because that's what the cloud is. The cloud is not a cloud; it's someone else's device. <laughs> This is what the cloud does. The cloud is something that'll help、mm. you. You、go through、um, the time when you have nothing to do, and you feel <laughs> no. If you feel if you feel like you're not doing anything about your life, you can always go into your phone and delete the stuff that has exceeded the storage space on your cloud, yeah, yeah. where you always get that <laughs> notification saying, "Oh, your cloud space is not、mm-hmm. big enough. Upgrade your plan." I will be looking at that notice and be like, you know what? I am going to try to delete all the photos that I don't think deserve a spot on my phone anymore, and I will reduce it down to the five gigabytes that I have for you free. You can do that, man. I have so many photos in my phone. I'm like ten thousand. Same. I, I could. I literally would not be able to even begin. It's too big now. It's. T- I'm at thirteen thousand right wow, now, wow. and it's insane. So you know, we could just keep going all the way up until we get into coding and vertical coding and all that stuff. Yeah. Say the point is. If our listeners don't have these kinds of skills, it's important to constantly be upgrading your skill set. Yes, I mean, I literally watched a video yesterday about how to grow my IG.、Mm. Now, for someone who's really old, I actually did pretty well on Twitter. <laughs> I took I took a course、uh, earlier this year on how to grow my Twitter, and I started using Twitter for the first time and it worked ever about April. I have five thousand fans now. So since、What? April to now, I guess that's six months, seven months. I have five thousand fans in six or seven months. I have eighty four. So I just <laughs>、oh, well, you know, maybe you're not. Trying to grow, I was. Yeah, it, we, I, we're in media, so I'm expected to learn media skills. So this is the kind、That's、of computer、true. skills that I'm focused on.、Yeah. And I'm learning. I'm taking courses on how to use IG、mm-hmm. and how to use. I, I'm actually Twitter certified or whatever. What, wait, what、not、does、like、that even blue, mean? I'm not talking about the blue tech. I have a certificate in how to use Twitter. Wow. From、uh, Coursera. Coursera. You guys, if you want to, I'm not advertising Coursera. Yeah. Coursera is great. It's pretty cheap, and a lot of the courses、yeah. there are free. So, like for example, Meta has courses on how to. Use its products like Facebook and IG,、wow. and you can go on to Coursera. A lot of those tools are free because they want you to Meta wants you to use their products. So if you learn how to use their products well, that's going to encourage you to spend more time on their product, and therefore they're going to get more clicks, and you know their product is going to be used more often. So if you want to get better at using Facebook, you want to get better at using Instagram,、mm. you can literally take little courses on how to use them、yeah. more effectively. And there are other websites so that just so that we don't. Sound like we're advertising for any 
specific website. There are other websites like lynda.com, mm-hmm. Udemy, mm-hmm. Um, Code Academy. Have you heard of Khan Academy? Of course. Of course. I think yeah. Khan was one of the first, I think, yeah, the first yeah. organizations to start doing this sort of a publicly free, available yeah, yeah, education. I always imagine myself when I have more time going to Khan Academy <laughs> and just learning calculus again so that I can like beef up my math skills. And, wow. But, like, that is a my, very ambitious It's goal. a retirement goal. My retirement goal is to learn math. <laughs> and then do do exactly what with the new newly acquired math skills. <laughs> well, you know, I've always had it. This is a way off topic and I'm sorry, guys, uh, but I've always had an interest in quantum mechanics oh and God. quantum <laughs> physics. But like there's a lot you can read by just reading books for layman's, right? They're like, oh, you could read about quantum physics from the outside. But you can't really get into the details of why it's that way unless you know mm-hmm. really advanced math. So I've always been very curious about, you know, wow. what a nutrient is really doing there and like I don't even know the word <laughs> it's a subatomic particle oh wow another but one. <laughs> you can't really 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 understand why it's behaving that way unless you know the math yeah and so like I will be reading along a book and suddenly there's an equation and I'm like well I guess I'm never gonna know what a neutrino does so so that's what I want to do in my retirement I want to find out why there are neutrinos <laughs> wow what if you found out a different way that the universe existed and nothing that you've done prior to that point made sense anymore I'm, I'm hoping that that's what <laughs> <laughs> I, so digital literacy means keeping upgrading your skill set. So basically anyone who everyone in the world should know that if you want a very high paying job, that learning to do computer programming, not just basic, mm. but to a very advanced degree is a really good way to make yourself a very viable source of very, very high income. Yeah. You don't need a college degree. You, you don't need to go to any university. Yeah. You don't need any kind of anything ex- and you could show up in to your work in pajamas if you want. Yeah. If you can <laughs> if you can program computers to a very high degree. So th- oftentimes they say you're too old to do this, but I've actually met people who started coding in their 30s and were successful. So at any age, if you just spend a thousand hours learning how to code yeah. really, really well, you can get into the six-figure income. Absolutely. And same thing with, um, because I worked in animation for a little bit, mm. a lot of people, a lot of technicians, you know, the 3D modelers, the lighting technicians, Mm. Uh, people who take care of rendering farms were and because I work in I worked in animation for uh, over a year and I knew a lot of technicians that are for example 3D modelers lighting technicians mm. people who take care of render farms where a lot of the companies Did you send say their, render yeah farms? that's what it's called basically wow. you know the word rendering <laughs> you after you you make your image yeah, and yeah. then you have to you know comp it together composite it together and then you have to send it to be rendered to be finally viewed on screen and Mm. the places that do these kind of processings are called render farms and they need technicians to deal with all of their clients making sure that each frame like because when something goes wrong it goes to as detail as one frame it's not even like oh this five seconds didn't look good it's like this one frame is wrong they have to be able to pull Mm. the frame re-render it put it back in you know uh, stuff like that. And a lot of those people are not, you know, they're not like they didn't graduate from the highest uh, art school in, 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 in China or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's really as long as you have a high level literacy of those softwares, you are able to get a job in the animation industry and mm-hmm. it usually mm-hmm. pays wow. pretty so well. So basically what we're outlining here, delineating, the point of the sh- show is there are, there's a new kind of literacy now that everyone is literate. <laughs> basically there's a new kind of literacy and you know just mm. the same rules to this this uh analogy exist 
in this new form. Because in the, you know, last several hundred years, thousands of years, the more literate you were, mm. the more capable you were of having tools that other people didn't have, access to information, books, being able to write. Ancient Egypt, very few people could make those characters and write them on the wall, but I'm sure that the pharaohs needed them, right? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like if if you could read in, you know, 1900, you know, Nietzsche and Dostoevsky or whatever, then you were like at the the top of the pyramid of educated folks. <laughs> so now the same thing exists. Yeah. If if you want to be at the top of digital literacy, you're going to be the best, most capable employee and you're going to free yourself up to be able to move across a variety of careers in a spectrum using your skill set. So our point is, if you are one of our listeners, mm -hmm. you know, it's always okay to upgrade your learning. What do they call it? Ongoing career development. That's what HR calls it. What a fancy term. <laughs> Ongoing career development just means don't stop learning. Always learn, no matter how old you are, yep. or what field you are in. It's always okay to learn new skills. I mean, if you're a, a prep cook, you can always learn new skills. So it's always, exactly. yeah, and you make yourself a more valuable prep cook. And can I give yeah. a very unsolicited career advice when it comes to picking the company you want to work for? Sure. Absolutely. Just from personal experience, I really appreciate because when um, I, had, I have a very good friend who used to work for a PwC, Pricewaterhouse, a Price something Waterhouse. I can't I don't remember their full name. One of the biggest auditing firms in the world. And he worked there for six years. During that six years, the company would give them opportunities, resources, and time to take courses that the company pays for. And it could be career-related courses or personal growth-related courses. When I joined my current company, we didn't really have as much available resources. Mm -hmm. And that was a very huge disappointment because that's for me is something that'll keep the employers willing to work for the company in the longer term because you're always able to grow. You're always able to learn. Of course, you learn on the job, but there's always things that at work you can take advantage of and improve yourself. So for our younger listeners who are trying to look for a job nowadays, of course, we all have different goals we want to achieve mm -hmm. when we look for employment opportunities. But make sure that you ask your HR or your, your hiring manager during your interviews what are the mm -hmm. system or the mechanisms are for that company mm -hmm. when it comes to your employees' personal growth or even professional growth. You know, if the company could pay for my project mm. management certification mm. process, which is expensive, then I would be very happy to take on more learning responsibilities. And in return, you know, I'm going to be better mm -hmm. at the job mm -hmm. that I'm doing. So when we say a women's situation, but you have to be in that situation first. So ask those questions, ask about talent development, personal growth, professional learning opportunities whatever company you're trying to go to. Not only right, but I actually worked for a major international company a mm. few years back for a long time, for I don't even, yeah. almost a decade. And what I found that was really interesting is that there were a suite mm. of educational tools available to everyone anywhere at any level of the company. Isn't that amazing? That almost nobody used. That is that is their loss if they're not using it as the employee's loss. Yeah, exactly. I, I I thought it was really because I'm one of those people who, like you, is like, oh, wow, I can take such and such things for free. So I've mentioned before getting the Harvard management certificates. Mm. I got all of them. <laughs> and like I, I knew one or two colleagues who got one of them. Yeah. Other than that, no one got them. And I always thought it was really peculiar. Yeah. Like we have this free 
available resource that is expensive as hell. I know. And and more useful than you could imagine. And no one's using it. And I just thought, like, what are people doing? Why are they not utilizing these resources? These resources are like people who don't have access to them are like trying to get into them and like, oh, I can't take this. And they're like, this this is really amazing. And so it wasn't just that. It was like money for college, money for taking courses, money for learning languages. Yeah. No one took advantage. I mean, I can't I shouldn't say no one. Very, very, very few people took advantage yeah. of the tools that were made available to them. This is reminding me of um, uh, this plot in the in the office, which is actually a really fun TV series uh, to look at, even just from the perspective mm. of digital literacy. I remember one of the main characters, Pam, in the in the in the show. Um, she used to be a, a receptionist sitting at the front desk every day. Of course, she could, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, she operates a computer, yeah. she operates the phone, she has she has that wireless headphone that keeps her communication on the whole time. Yeah. Later on in the series, she actually realized that she wanted um, a lot more um, skills coming. With, she wanted a lot more skills on graphic design because she likes drawing. She likes arts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she took a course and learned graphic design. And then she got a great job in New York. I remember New York and New Jersey as a graphic designer. This is- character yeah but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm i mean yes that's a great story i just yes i guess it's like my big story yeah but it is i am <laughs> i'm saying that it is it doesn't hurt to put in some extra energy and time yeah, into a absolutely. skill in yes, digital yes. in the digital world that you want to develop you know, i think we're talking to a lot of people who probably do understand this if mm. our listeners are people who listen to podcasts that is true probably most of the people that are are we're talking to are actually pretty digitally yeah. literate I'm just assuming. I actually have here another mm. graph from Statista. It says where podcasts are most popular. Ooh. I think people might find this interesting. So the greatest amount of people where the nations where podcasts are super popular are actually Brazil. Wow. Yeah, and Northern Europe. And I'm, by Northern Europe, I mean the way up there, you know. Mm. Uh, but also like <laughs> Australia and America are uh, 34%-ish. And then it starts to get a little lower. You know, Russia, Central Europe. and But China's 19%. So 19% of people in China. That's still that's still a lot of people. That's 300 million ish people. Because the base number yeah. is big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many people that there's a ton of people listening to podcasts, and that's I guess in Chinese mostly. Yeah. But I'm assuming a lot of them are listening to English podcasts like this one. Mm. They're listening to our show and Alex's amazing advice. <laughs> Right now. Yes. I will take, I'll <laughs> happily take a bonus once you get a good job. No, I won't. That's a joke. I am not a recruiter or a salesperson. You know, I don't have but... the data with me. I was actually looking for it. But turns out that people in China, I, I was looking at this last week. Mm. This is also from Statista. People in China are more likely to pursue ongoing online uh career developments, they're more likely to take online courses. And so are people from India. Yeah. So people in the United States, less so, Mm. but still people do. But people in China are very Mm. focused on learning new skills through online platforms. Yeah. And I think regardless of what the stats say, Mm. I just think nowadays more people are willing to find something online, even if it's not a continuous commitment to a program. Mm -hmm. A lot more people would love to learn things online that's easier. They can uh, access at any time. Well, I think for like people everywhere in the world, YouTube has actually probably become an incredible resource. It's the most used like mm. uh, social media platform that exists. Mm. And on YouTube, you can learn most any skill. 
So like pretty much you want to become better at another media platform or another tool or like farming. You can just go on to YouTube and learn more about that. Yeah. Man, we've plugged so many different products. It sounds like we're in advertising. I know, but we I I think before we end (laughs) today's episode, we have to put a disclaimer out there. Please look for credible sources online when you're trying to learn skills. Not every video on the platform is to be followed. Actually, I would like to say that too. No offense to Ted Talk. I love you, Ted Talk. I know that dates me just by saying Ted talk but but (laughs) i've watched a lot of ted talks that were dead ends in terms of learning about something Mm. but there are some there are some ted talks that are like wow that was extremely useful so you know yeah even within a field that is is considered very respectable Mm. there are a lot of questionable uh speakers let's just say. yes all right thank you so much for your time alex please join the bridge next time where we join east and west thank you for listening everybody thank you jason 